Uh, we're in this series that we've called I Love My Church, and uh, we're looking at this idea of transformation. And in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we talked last week a little bit about this uh, transformation that we uh, read about there, where we are not to conform to the world, but be transformed. And uh, we see that God is moving in people to transform them and take them from where they were into this life that he wants them to live. And so uh, last week we talked a little bit about this idea of connection. Uh, we said that uh, connection is the starting point. You want to be connected to Christ. Uh, and as a church, we want people to be connected uh, to Christ. We want them to know his love. We want them to experience it. Uh, we want them to accept it and, and be found in him. Uh, the idea of being in Christ is found throughout the New Testament. We read about it in Galatians, uh, where Paul says that uh, you should clothe yourself with Christ to be in him. Uh, we read about in 2 Corinthians when he says uh, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Uh, we read about in Romans where he says uh, those who are in Christ are those who have united themselves through baptism in the uh, uh, death, burial, and resurrection that we see that Christ underwent. And uh, that if you are in Christ, you should no longer live a life of sin, but should live a life of freedom instead. Uh, and so this idea of being connected is, is throughout the New Testament, it's this idea that we want uh, to, to be a part of. And then uh, we said from there, from being connected in Christ, we want to be connected to each other. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, if we are all in Christ, then we should all be together. In Romans 12, uh, Paul goes in great detail talking about the body. Uh, he says the body uh, is a bunch of different parts all connected. And in the same way as Christians, uh, we are all different parts of the body of Christ and we are all connected to each other. And so if something bad happens to one of us, it should affect the whole body. If something good happens, everyone should receive honor as a result of it. And so uh, we, we have this idea of connecting. And, and we said that last, last week, we said that uh, when we're talking about this transformation process, we're really talking about three ideas. We're talking about connecting, we're talking about serving, and we're talking about going. And so today we want to look at this idea of serving. Uh, and, and, and to do that, I want to start off by reading a passage from Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we read, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift from God. Not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so uh, what this passage, I think, does, it talks about this idea of connection. You know, you are, you are saved. When we're talking about connecting to Christ, we're talking about salvation, all right? And so we're saying you're saved, and, and he's, in Ephesians 2, he's saying you are saved not by anything that you do, but uh, you are saved to do things, all right? And this is uh, one of those things that we have to understand. This is natural progress from being connected to Christ to serving, Right? We want you to serve because you've been created in Christ to do stuff. Right? God has prepared certain things for you to do. Right? We, we want you to understand that to be a good disciple, to be committed in your discipleship to God, it means that you have to be connected and you have to do something about it. Right? You have to serve. Right? If you're not serving, you're not fulfilling your role in the body of Christ. Right? If you're not serving, you're not fulfilling your connection to, to not only Christ, but to his body as well. And so we want you to be serving. I think uh, a good 
good passage that kind of talks a little bit more about this is James chapter 2. James chapter 2, James starts to write to his readers and he says uh, that your faith needs to be doing something. It needs to be exhibited in how you live. He says, uh, his example that he gives is if you see someone who is uh, hungry and you all you do is say, hey, I hope you have a good life and you get fed sometime, all right, that's pointless. All right? As a Christian, if you have the ability to feed them, you should feed them, not just say, I'll pray for you. All right? That's not what it means to live a faithful life. That's what James says. And he ends this section by saying this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works, without deeds, is dead. All right? And so uh, we have to understand this connection. And it's found throughout the New Testament. They, they, they are consistent in this. Your connection, your salvation to Christ is not dependent upon anything that you do. You are saved by faith. You are saved by the grace of God. You are saved because Jesus died on the cross for you. And that connection that you have to him is not dependent upon that. But uh, you're you are supposed to take this connection and serve and do something and do works and do good deeds and serve people. All right? And so we have to understand this connection. It's, it's important. All right? Salvation is not dependent upon it, but you are to do something. And if you're not doing something, then you're not uh, fulfilling the connection process of this all. Uh, now, with that said, all right, we don't want you just to serve to serve, all right? That's not wh- what I want you to do. You are to serve where you're gifted. You are to serve where you enjoy it, where, where, where you can get something out of it as well, all right? That's something that, that uh, we want you to understand, all right? Not everyone should come up here and sing, right? All right? You don't, who, who, who wants to come up here and sing if they're not gifted in singing, all right? Who wants to hear someone up here singing if they're not gifted in singing? I Pam does okay. <laughs> like like that that's one of those things is is if you're not gifted in it, we're not saying you have to serve there. Okay, if you don't like children because they make you cringe, don't serve in the nursery. All right, uh, if you if you uh, uh, are scared of speaking in public, don't be a preacher. All right, that's that's one of those things that you have to understand is that when we say serve, do good things, you're supposed to do the things that God has prepared for you to do. You are a part of the body, but not everyone in the body does the same thing. Not every part of the body uh, walks, right? What what do you walk on? You walk on your legs and your feet, okay? If you're a hand, you shouldn't walk, all right? Well, I guess you could if you're really good at it, right? right? But but for the most part, that's not how it works. And so that's what we have to understand. When we're talking about serving, we're talking about serving where you're gifted. And it may be different for different people. You know, it may be that you're very gifted in prayer and that, that you pray all the time and even in your spare time you're praying. And, and if that is your gift, you should use it to serve people. All right? maybe, maybe you're very gifted in technology. All right? You understand how computers work and all that stuff. And there's places in the church where you can go behind the scenes and work on websites and work on uh, the sound system up there. And no one has to see you serve, but there's someone that needs to do that, right? Right, and so maybe you just have to figure out where you're gifted, and when you figure out where you're gifted, you need to use it for the glory of God. Now, when it comes to service, there is one thing that, that we have to talk about, and that is the attitude in which we choose to serve. All right, and so the passage we want to look at today comes from Philippians chapter 2. 
Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, we want you to turn um, there and follow along with us. Uh, and, and I think uh, this passage is going to talk about a vital attitude that comes when we are serving. All right. All right. So we want you to be connected and we want you to be serving where you're gifted. All right. And so to serve well, I think you have to have an attitude uh, of humbleness that that Philippians two is going to talk about. Uh, Philippi was uh, an interesting place. Uh, it was uh, what was called a Roman colony. Uh, not every city that Rome conquered became a colony. Okay, colonies were unique. Uh, they were given for special reasons. Philippi uh, w- supported a couple of guys, Mark Antony and Octavian, as they fought a couple other guys, Brutus and Claudius. You may know those names from history. Uh, Brutus and Claudius stabbed Julius Caesar in the back. Okay, so that so they had a they had a battle near the city of Philippi, and Philippi backed the right people. And so when Mark Antony and Octavian won, they turned around and said to Philippi, you are now a Roman colony. And so it was, they got their, their colony for, for supporting the right people. And when you became a colony, everybody that, that lived in your city instantly became a Roman citizen. Again, something very special. Not everyone born in Rome, Rome the Roman Empire, was a Roman citizen. And so uh, this would have been very special. And, and as a colony, uh, they became a microcosm of Rome itself. And so anytime Rome issued a decree for their city, all the Roman colonies did the same thing. And so this plays out in the in the New Testament in this way. In AD 49, the emperor of Rome decided to expel all the Jews from Rome. All right, some things had been happening, they decided that all the Jews just had to leave. And because of that, all the Roman colonies expelled their Jews as well. And so when Paul comes uh, in in Acts to the city of Philippi, he doesn't find a Jewish synagogue because there are no Jewish synagogues there because they had been expelled. And so he goes and he finds some people and he begins to preach to them uh, down by the river and they become Christians and so on and so forth. Uh, And and what you see happen uh, even in the book of Acts is that there's this misunderstanding among the Romans of where the Christianity plays in things. Uh, for most of the people, they just thought Christianity was another sect of the Jews. And so uh, Paul is arrested, and he's arrested because he's Jewish, and he's teaching people to do Jewish things according to them, according to their understanding. All right, And so that all happens, uh, and, and Paul leaves. And what we kind of figure from this book of Philippi, or Philippians is that the city of Philippi has ostracized the Christians. And so Paul, as he's writing, he's writing about themes that, that resonates with the people. He talks about his own imprisonment and the things that he's been suffering. And he says, you guys are my partners in this suffering. You're my partners in this ministry that we're doing. And it's something that they're resonating because they are outsiders to the city because of the religion that they're choosing to follow. Uh, Paul will, uh, right before chapter 2, will talk to the Philippian Christians, and he will encourage them, live as citizens of Jesus' kingdom, not of the Roman citizenship. And, and this would have been a theme that they understood because they lived as citizens as a Roman colony. And Paul's saying, no, the Rome is going to fall one day, but there is a better citizenship you should follow. And so it's resonating with the people. And so then he gets to chapter 2, and he starts to say this. He says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness 
and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He's just gotten done talking to the Philippians about their salvation and how they should be living in Christ and living as citizenships. And he says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in you being united with Christ. And do you hear this connection that we're, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks? Right, if you're united to Christ, if you're connected to Christ, and he says that there's a couple of things that you should be feeling in this passage. He says you should be feeling encouragement. Right, and we sometimes as Christians need encouragement, do we not? When the Philippians, they probably needed it very badly. You know, they are outsiders, they're ostracized, they're treated poor, harshly because they are following Jesus, and they need encouragement in this moment. And Paul's saying, if you need encouragement in the dark times that you're living, if you are facing something very hard, there is encouragement that you can have in being united to Christ. If you are in Christ, you know that someday he will come back. And someday this world will be wiped clean. And all that will be here is those who follow Jesus. And that is a day that it should give us encouragement and should hold us through till, till that day. And so he says, if you are in Christ, there is encouragement there. He says, if you have the love of God, God Christ, if you feel that love, then, then there is comfort in that. All right? There's comfort in knowing that Jesus has done all that he could for us, that he's looked after our own interest above his own, all right? that he willingly went to the cross and died on the cross for us. There's love in that. And if he loved us that much, there's comfort in knowing that we have someone that loves us that dearly. All right? So he says, if you are in Christ, if you are united, if you feel his love, then there's encouragement and there is comfort. And then he talks about uh, the fellowship of the spirit, a better translation uh, of, of the common sharing is, is fellowship. It's koinonia. It's, it, it means more than just sharing. It, it, it's a, a, a fellowship that's deeper than anything that can be felt here on earth. All right? He says, if you are in Christ, if you're in the spirit, then there is encouragement, there is comfort, there is a fellowship, a deep fellowship. All right, and these are all things that, that we should exhibit in our lives, that we should be feeling as Christians. All right, in our connection to Christ, in our, our being united to him, there is a unity to, to what is going on in our lives. All right, when things are hard, when things are dark, when things are, are being pressed on either side of us, we have encouragement, we have comfort, we have tenderness, we have all these things that Paul is talking about. And he says, if you have these things... If you are connected and you have these things, then there's a certain thing that you guys should be doing with each other. All right? And this is, this is going from the connection to Christ to the connection to one another. And these things are, are things like this. He says, he says be like-minded. Right? So if you are in Christ, if there's encouragement in Christ, then you need to be like-minded. You need to be thinking the same things, focusing on the same goals. And then he says, you should love one another. Right, if you are in Christ and you have comfort in his love, then love one another. I mean, these are all connected ideas that he's saying. If you're connected in Christ, there is an equivalent connection you should have with each other. The last thing uh, he says there is you should be one in spirit and one in mind. All right, we're talking about unity. All right, if you're united in Christ, there is unity in each other. 
And he says, this is how you should be living. And then he focuses his ideas on something else in verse 3. He says, uh, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambitious or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each uh, but each of you to the interests of others. And so he goes from this idea of connection to this idea of serving. And he says the attitudes that you have, the, the common sharing, the fellowship, the, the connection that you have not only with Jesus but with each other, it should exhibit itself in the way you treat each other as well. And he says there's two ways you shouldn't treat each other. You shouldn't treat each other uh, with, with uh, a selfish ambition and you shouldn't treat each other with vain conceit. All right? And so these are, these are two things that seem very natural to us, right? All right? A lot of us do a lot of things to get up in the world, right? All right? We want to get a better paying job. We want to do these different things. And he says within the church, there should not be any of that. All right? We shouldn't be trying to fight over each other to gain status in the church. Uh, this, this idea of vain conceit, uh, it really means getting something that's empty. All right. It'd be like uh, you catching the wind. What happens when you catch the wind? What do you have? You have nothing. All right, it's empty. All right, and so he says when you're selfish, ambitious, and when you're chasing after things that are empty, that's not how you should be living. He says instead the way that you should be living is in humility. And this humility, he gives a very good definition. He says you look after, you value after, others before you value yourself and you look after their own interests above your own and this is very countercultural because we are we are very much a culture that is about me all right burger king what is they what do they say have it your way my way i can have it however i want you know and 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 that goes through a lot of the different things uh that we have out there it's all about me and what does the Bible say instead? Paul says that you should be humble and looking after other people above yourself. And that is what it means to serve. Right? It means to look after other people's stuff before your own. If you ever find yourself at a, a food kitchen and you're serving the homeless, you're looking after their hunger before your own. You're not serving yourself, you're serving them. And if you ever find yourself in the nursery at the church because you do like children, you're looking after the kids of parents who need to hear about Jesus and who need to learn and grow. And you're looking, you're, you're giving up your time uh, to be by yourself to have them have the opportunity to be by themselves and learn for them. You're looking after their needs rather than your own. If you take kids into your home and, and you're taking care of them as if they were your own, you're looking after their needs above your own. You see, service in the church, service for the kingdom of God, it is all about being humble. Right? You can't really serve if you're not humble in this area. Right? You have to be willing to look after other people's interests and their needs before you look after your own interests and needs. And that is what Paul is encouraging here. He says, why, why in your connection to Christ and your connection to each other, why would you look after your own selfish ambitions? Now, be humble instead. Help other people. And so the question we have to ask at this point is, why should we be humble? 
I mean, what, what, what encouragement is there to be humble? And the encouragement Paul gives is found in, starting in verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, be of the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what Paul is going to do in the remaining of this, this section is he's going to talk about Jesus. And he's going to say, listen, you are to be humble because Jesus was humble. You are to be humble because you're to imitate Christ in the way that he lived. So here's how Christ lived. He says, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And so what he says is, is we have to remember who Jesus is for a moment. All right, we have to remember that Jesus is God. All right, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, the Word in John chapter 1 is Jesus, and John is saying Jesus is God. All right, so who is God? God is the Almighty. God is the Creator God. God is the one that created all things and, and, and all that we see just by the words that He spoke. And in Jesus, we're told in Colossians, all things hold together. Everything that we see and everything that we don't see was created by God. And just by his very nature, just by his ability to create beyond anything else, we know that God is worthy of worship. So let's look at Jesus for a moment. While he's on the earth, he had power over creation. He calmed storms. He healed sickness. He cast out demons. Everything that Jesus did in his life proved that he was God and proved that he had the power of God. And so Jesus, being God, was worthy of worship. And what does Paul say that he did? Even though he was God, he didn't take that as something to be grasped. That's kind of confusing. It's kind of poetic. It, It kind of makes us kind of think. So let's just for a moment recognize what Jesus did when he came. Jesus, when he came, he came as a babe, lying in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. He came not to the rich kings of the world. He came not in such splendor and glory. He came in humbleness. He came to poor parents, to average people. And Jesus, even though he was God and he was worthy of worship, he came not to be worshipped, but to serve. And if Jesus, the Almighty God, was willing to serve, who are we to think that we shouldn't serve? If we're to imitate God, no matter how high we feel we are in the social structure of things, we are meant to serve just like Jesus served. We are meant to be humble just like Jesus was humble. And that means that we don't grasp things that we are worthy of, but rather serve people in humility. Uh, Jesus, uh, he is the creator God. He came not to take on advantage, but he came in humility. And we see uh, a little play on words here in verse 7. It says that he made himself nothing. And, 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 And if we... Take a step back and reread what Paul said a little bit earlier. He says, you guys are not to be self, 
sacrificially looking after your own ambitions, and you're not to look after vain conceit. And we said vain conceit really means what? Chasing after things that are empty. And what Paul is saying there is a play on words. He says, you guys are so busy chasing things that are empty, that are worthless, that are pointless, that you forget that Jesus, he made himself empty. He made himself nothing. That he, he emptied himself of God, whatever that means. Again, that's, that's one of those things that we don't really understand, but okay, we accept it. He made himself empty of God, and he became nothing. He became a human being. And so while you're so busy chasing after things that are empty, you forget that in humility you are to make yourself nothing, just like Jesus did. He took on the form of human being. Verse, verse uh, 8, he says, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And Jesus, the Almighty God, who was worthy of worship, became nothing and obedient and humble to the point that he died on a cross, not because he was worthy of death, not because he had done anything that was deserving of death, but because he was helping you. He was looking after your own needs. He was looking after your salvation. And the service attitude that Jesus had throughout his life brought him to the point of dying on the cross so that you can be with God for eternity. Do we see the humbleness of Jesus? This humbleness that we are to emulate in all things that we do with one another. He, he says, finishes with this in verses 9 through 11. He says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he says, even though Jesus was worthy of worship, he emptied himself, and because he emptied himself, God made him worthy of worship of all people everywhere. He's re-exalted. But even in his exalted state, even as God lifts up the humble and, and destroys the proud, as Proverbs says, even as he's lifting up Jesus, the glory isn't given to Jesus, but to who? To God. And when we serve in humility, if God chooses to lift us up, the reason we serve is we serve to bring glory to God. Our humbleness and all that we do is done for the glory of God. So we want you at Kentucky Road to be connected to Christ. And we want you to be connected to other people. And we want you to serve in humility, not so that you are praised or anything like that, but so that the glory of God will be revealed. That as we serve people, as we go out in the community and we serve them, they will see the good things that we're doing and they'll praise God for it. Last week, we had you guys fill out a, a little survey. And if you weren't here last week, you can find it out at the Connection Center and fill it out. Uh, and as you leave today, if you put your name on it last week, uh, you should find on the piece of little piece of paper uh, areas that, that you're gifted in and areas that you can serve. Now, the service areas are kind of generic, okay? All right? You might find something there that you're like, I don't even want to do that. And that's okay. Right? These are just areas that your giftedness would be a good spot to serve. Part of service is not just your giftedness, but also your desires. Right? Where do you feel God is leading you to serve? All right? So as you look at that, I want you to look and, and examine yourselves for a moment and say, 
am I using my gifts that God has given? It, it, am I doing the things that God ha- ha- has designed and prepared for me to do? Right? Because if not, then you're not serving. If not, then you're not imitating Christ in his humility. We, no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, no matter where we feel like physically, there is a spot that God has prepared for us to serve in. And we need to be people who are serving. And that's our desire here at Kentucky Road, is that you and me and all of us will be serving in humility so that God will be glorified. Let us be that church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for Jesus and the humility that he showed by coming here on earth, by emptying himself, uh, by, by taking on the form of a human being and, and dying on the cross for our sins. And Lord, we know that as you exalt him, that he does that exaltation all for your glory. I pray, God, that in our lives we will examine and, and, and make sure that we are connected to you and to the body and that we will look at ourselves and see where we are serving. And if we're not serving somewhere, Father, I pray that we uh, will be moved to do so that we will no longer look after our own interests, but look after the interests of others, that we will serve in humility for your glory. Help us to be people that are serving so that you will be glorified in this world. I ask this in your name.